Kids, I love it uh, when you sing and when you share with us. That's just right out of the Bible, just verses right out of the Bible. That's a great way to memorize, and it helps us to be reminded of what's most important, that whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. The life that we have is in the Son, uh, only through Him. So uh, if you have a Bible with you, open up to John chapter 14. As Pastor Stan mentioned, we're continuing to walk through the book of John. This is a great way to get us ready for uh, this Easter season that's coming. And so John chapter 14, the title of today's message, John 14, uh, 1 to 14, title is Only Through Jesus. And so I invite you to open your Bible if you have one with you. And if you forget uh, some week or if you don't have one, you can always grab one uh, right there out of the back. I'm going to have some words on the screen as well. But we're moving along pretty quickly in John's gospel now. Jesus and the disciples are in Jerusalem. Last week we saw that Judas, who was going to betray Jesus, had left. And so Judas leaves to go do that work of betraying Jesus, and that's about to take place. Jesus will soon be arrested, he'll be unfairly tried, and he will be put to death on the cross. Jesus knows this is coming. He knows this is what he came for. And so he's prepared for this, and he's been in the process now of preparing his disciples for this. And so that's where we're picking it up today. The disciples we've seen, especially Peter, had a hard time imagining what life would be like without Jesus. But Jesus had just told them, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now. And so you can imagine these men who had given up everything and for the last three years followed every footstep of Jesus, now being told, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me afterward. They're trying to figure out what that means, and so that's where we're picking it up here in John 14. They're asking questions like, well, how can we be with God? How can we know God? We who have gotten to know God by following Jesus for these three years, how are we going to know God without Him? How can we go to be with God? How can we do the work that God calls us to do? That's the questions that they're going to be thinking and asking, and that's some good questions for us to wrestle with today, too. How can we know that we get to go be with God someday? How can we know God? How can we do the work God calls us to do? I think we see all of these things in this passage. Here's the big idea today. We can only be with God by trusting Jesus. We can only know God by knowing Jesus. And we can only do the work of God when we ask and do in Jesus' name. And so that's what we're going to see in this passage today. And if you're able to, our custom is that we stand as we read the Word of God. So, John 14, verses 1 to 14, God's Word says this. Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and He says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And... If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Let's pray. God, we come to you now in the name of Jesus, meaning that we want to pray in accordance with the will of Jesus. And we know the will of Jesus is that you, God, would be glorified in all things. And so that's my simple prayer now as we spend some time walking through this passage. I pray that you, God, would be glorified in what happens now. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. John 14, 1 to 14, inside your bulletin, uh, there is a sheet uh, that has a spot for you to take some notes there. I encourage you to do that if that helps you to follow along. Also, the life group guide for you to use as you meet with each other throughout the week. Verses 1 to 6 really talk about going to the Father. Jesus has made it clear that his time to depart is very near, and the disciples concerned about this. And we have seen in chapters 11, 12, and 13, we've seen Jesus be troubled. This going to the cross that Jesus is is here about to do is something that's troubling to him. And certainly you would think it would be troubling also to those that are his closest friends. But listen to how chapter 14 begins. In verse 1, Jesus says to them, let not your hearts be troubled. I love our Savior. I'm going to be troubled. This is troubling. Let me tell you some things so that your hearts are not troubled. And he's going to make it really simple. He just says this, believe in God, believe also in me. Okay, so so he's not just calling for this general belief in God. Even in our day, a lot of people say, don't they, that they believe in God. But Jesus makes it more specific here, and he's going to keep being specific. He says, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus is calling for faith, not just that there is a God, but he's saying, believe in God. Me And so I think of Jesus. Remember, he addressed the disciples in verse 33. He addressed them as little children. Remember that? The only time we see that phrase in John. So in verse 33 of chapter 13, last week, we saw Jesus begin this, this speech to his disciples saying, little children. And I see that kind of fatherly quality here again as Jesus speaks to them. He says, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. Kids, you don't have to worry about this. I got this. And then I'm going to make it really simple, which is what parents do with their kids too, right? I'll just make it really simple. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
And then he's going to give them a bit more information in the verses that follow. Remember that their concern was they wanted to be with him. Just, just earlier, this is in chapter 13, you can look back up in your Bible, Simon Peter had said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said to him, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow afterwards. Okay? So that's, that's the context in which Jesus is now going to say what he's about to say. Jesus is going to let them know they can be with God. Look in verse 2. Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. So Jesus has let them know he's going, and now he's being more specific. I'm going to tell you where I'm going. I'm going to my father's house. I'm going to be with my father. What am I going to do there? I'm going to be preparing a place for you. So just like Jesus told Peter, you can't follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. Where I'm going, you can't come right now, but where I'm going, you can come sometime. I'm preparing a place for you. That's why I'm going. And then this great promise from Jesus, I will come again. And take you to myself. A lot of times when we think about heaven, we think about uh, you know streets of gold and pearly gates and no more sickness. That's all great stuff to be thinking about. But the best news about heaven is this right here. I will come again and will take you to myself. We get to go and be with Jesus. This is what the disciples wanted. This is what all disciples of Jesus want. We just want to be with him, right? More on that here in a moment. That where I am, you may be also. This is what Peter wanted. That's why when he he said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter said, let's do the whole thing. Because I can't imagine not being with you, Jesus. Is this our attitude? Jesus, I just want to be, not, not just I want to be free from sickness and I want to be free from all the junk in this world. No, I want to be with Jesus. That's what I want more than anything. Again, more on that here in a moment. And then Jesus says this. He says, and you know the way to where I am going. And I love that the disciples are open and honest. They don't understand everything. And because they don't, they ask questions and we get to learn more. So Jesus is telling them, you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas answers Jesus in this way. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? It's a logical question. I'm still trying to figure out where you're going. And you say, you know the way. You're telling me that I know the way to where you're going. I don't even know where you're going. How can I know the way? Right? Great question. And that gives Jesus the chance to answer with a verse that, uh, you know, if you're in Awana, you've memorized this verse, right? Verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We could spend a lot of time on that, but I want to just quickly point out what Jesus is saying is he's not saying, uh, this is an English grammar lesson, he's using the definite article, not the indefinite article, okay? So he's not saying, I am a way. The 
are some other ones too. I am a truth, and you can pick your own truth. I am a light. No, he's saying I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. Okay? He's being pretty exclusive here. And he's also not saying I know the way. And so he's not just going to say, you come and talk to me, and I'll tell you the way. Right? Other religions have some sort of God that will tell you the way. Right? And so then you just need to do the, do, do the thing that they call you to do. This is the way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? We could talk about the truth. We could talk about the life. Here I'm going to focus on the way because that's the context. That's, that's overall what we're getting at. Thomas was asking, how do we know the way if we don't even know where you're going? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then that specific statement that he makes no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? So, so you don't get to make up your own way. If you want to go and be with the Father, you don't do it except through me. This is the only way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So some gospel application. You may have heard this passage. This is a common passage to be preached at funerals. And we recognize, don't we, that, that we will probably someday uh, have one of those for us. Right? And so somebody's going to get up and probably say something. And the most comforting thing to say to people when somebody has died is that they've gone to a better place. Maybe, maybe you say heaven. We know, though, that there are two options. There's not three options. There's not many options. There's, there, there's two options, right? That, that the options are these. When we die, we either go to be separated from God in hell or we go to be with God in heaven, right? Th- those are the two options that are before us. Where do we go after we die? Jesus is telling his disciples a very specific thing. Not just, hey, work at being pretty good. Keep going with this religion thing that you're doing. Have faith. No, he's, he's telling them something very specific. And, and the best news, like I was saying earlier, the best news of what Jesus shares is not that you're going to go to heaven and you're not going to suffer anymore. No, the best news, if you're going to go to heaven, it, the best part about that is the one who's on the throne there, Right? And so I've shared this quote, I think, before, but I think it's provocative and helpful. You probably can't read it because it's little. It's in your uh, life group guide, too. Here's what it says. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, And all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or any natural disasters. Sounds good, doesn't it? But then the question, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? And later he follows that up with this, then people who would be happy in heaven if Christ were not there will not be there. Like I said, provocative, but I also think, helpful that people don't get to go and be in heaven when they die just because they want to 
The people who will be in heaven with Christ when they die. Yes, they will have no more sickness. Maybe they'll enjoy some leisure activity, right? Uh, but all of that stuff, what, what they get is they get the reward of what they've desired their whole life after coming to faith in Christ here on earth, and that is to be with him. That's what we want. So where do we go after we die? And then another question, well, how do we get there? That's the question Thomas is asking. Well, Jesus, if you're going to your father's house, all the, how, do, how, how do you say we know the way? Well, how do we get there? Jesus makes that very clear. Jesus says, I am the only way. So Christy is leaving soon, right, for, for Australia. Um, and Christy has a relatively dependable car, I think, a Dodge Avenger, is that correct? Right? And so if, so if, if Christy... Even if she believes very strongly that her Dodge Avenger will get her from Iowa Falls, Iowa to Australia, it doesn't matter how strongly she believes that, it, it's not going to happen, right? It might be very dependable. You get Denny to put some new tires on that thing. It doesn't matter. It's not going to get you there, right? Same kind of, like if, if Christy would just like say, you know, I like kayaking. And the church borders the Iowa River. I'm going to put in right down here at the Iowa River. And, and I know, like, Australia is surrounded by water. So I'm sure eventually I do some Iowa River stuff. I'm like, we're like no, no, Christy, if she's going to go to Australia, the way to get there is to get on a plane. I don't know that there's any ships that sail uh, from the land of hogs here in Iowa to the land of kangaroos in Australia. I don't know that you can get on a ship that does that, Right? And so if Christy's going to get there, I assume you have tickets, right? You got a, a ticket, right? That is the way that she's going to get there. And so Jesus is saying something specific. You want to you go and be with the Father. Here's the way that you go there. It's only through me. Jesus is the only way. It's an exclusive statement which isn't very popular in that day or in our day. People don't like exclusive statements. People don't like it if they are told, and you might not like it right now, because I'm reading scripture and you're like, I like the other parts about loving people. But this part where Jesus gets really specific and says, no one comes to the Father except through me, but what about these other really nice people who don't trust in Jesus? And Jesus makes it clear, you don't get to make your own way. Believe in God, believe also in me. He says it in so many different ways. Not whatever God you want, not whatever religion you choose, not through whatever good stuff you do, but only through Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. The kids just sang to us, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. This life is in His Son. It's only through Jesus. Now, I, I understand that that can be a hard thing uh, for some to grasp, to hold on to, because we are raised in our culture to kind of think that, that everybody kind of gets to choose their own way, their own truth, and everybody, hopefully it all ends up well in the end. So it's a hard thing to swallow, and it might be a hard thing to swallow for you. And it's not just a hard thing to swallow if potentially you have uh, you know, not been in the church. And so some of you have been in the church a lot of your life, and you're still wrestling with this. This is a hard thing to swallow. This sounds so anti-everything else that I hear all around me. How does Jesus talk this way? And we're also conditioned sometimes 
to believe that if anybody would make a comment this specific, that that person must be really arrogant. And I've talked to people. Why, why don't we more often share the gospel with people who don't trust Jesus? Well, sometimes, sometimes it's because it sounds a bit arrogant to say that what I believe, that's the only way. And what you believe, that's wrong. That's not going to get you to where you want to go. Right? And so, so, so we wrestle with this. But again, I, I don't think I don't think that Jesus saying this, and I don't think that us saying what Jesus is saying, I don't think that's arrogant. Can you say it with an arrogant, prideful heart? You bet. But it, the statement in and of itself is not an arrogant or prideful statement. It's a statement of what's true. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we can say that same thing, not because we think we're better than somebody else, but because we genuinely love them. Just like if Christy did grab a kayak after the worship service today, we do the little potluck thing, we have a cupcake, and then Christy's walking down to the river. We don't just say, all right, see you later. Like, Christy, leave the kayak here. You're not going to get there that way. And we can talk to her about that, right? So, so that, but that's not arrogant on our part. That's loving on our part. Somebody heading the wrong direction, thinking they're headed for one destination when they're really not. We love them. We let them know. So if you're here today and you're planning to find your own way to God, let me let you know in love that if your plan is anything other than trusting in Jesus, your destination is not heaven but hell. It doesn't give me pleasure to say that, but it gives me peace to share what Jesus shared. Love to talk to you more about that. If you're wrestling with that, maybe sometime this week, maybe right after the worship service today. The only way to go and be with God, to be in heaven when we die, is to trust in Jesus. Believe in me. Now, we're going to race through uh, the rest of this. Knowing the Father, Jesus is going to say some things in verses 7 to 9. Uh, he said very similar things already in John, and many of these things we're going to be looking at in more detail next week because he repeats them uh, in many ways in the verses that follow. But also, if we want to know God, we need to know Jesus. If you had known me, Jesus said, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him. You have seen him. Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. And Jesus tries to make it clear, as he has already, but trying to emphasize again with the disciples, listen, if you want to know the Father, you, you get to know me. We have one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons. Jesus is God the Son in human flesh. And if you want to know God the Father, you do it by getting to know Jesus. Jesus is trying to make that clear to them. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jesus seeks to make that clear. And I think about in our day, lots of people want to know God, right? There's some people that are just outright, they're atheists, they're, they're just opposed to even the idea that there might even be a God, right? But a lot of other people, they're not opposed to God. They might even say they believe in God. A lot of people, I think, want to get to know God. And so they have all sorts of different ways that people kind of uh, find to to. To, to, to get to know God, try this, try that, uh, try these experiences. Oprah will give you lots of advice on this kind of stuff, right? 
lots of people want to know God. But again, Jesus gets really specific, and it might sound offensive. Right? The, the way to know God is to know me. Jesus is specific about that. In your life group, you might spend some time looking at a couple of those passages, a prophecy from Jeremiah from over 500 years before Christ came. A day is coming when people are going to know the Lord. Fulfilled when Jesus comes. Hebrews 1, I love that passage. You want to know what God is like, you look at the Son. Right? I'm not going to spend as much time on that here and now. I would just say that to you, that if you want to know God, maybe you've tried all sorts of different things, I would just encourage you. We can know God, not just by kind of like seeking our own kind of path to some sort of spiritual experience. We, we have the privilege of having a God who wants to be known. And how has he revealed himself? He reveals himself primarily through his word. So you want to know God? Get to know Jesus. Know the Bible. I'd love to talk to you about, here's, a, here's a, some places you could start to read in the Bible to get to know Jesus. That's the only way to know God. Okay? Only through Jesus. And then the final point. Praying and doing works for the glory of the Father. This one, again, we could spend a lot more time on this. That's why I'm thankful we have life group. Um, Verses 10 to 14, Jesus wants his disciples to believe. He calls them to believe in me. Believe me. I am in the Father. The Father's in me. If you don't believe, then believe on account of the works themselves. So he's talking a lot about works here. And then he says this statement, which is kind of jarring. Maybe? Hard to understand, maybe a little bit? Jesus looks at his disciples and uses another one of those attention-getting devices. Truly, truly, I say to you. And here's what he says. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. So, So picture Jesus' disciples Three years, they've seen Jesus raise a man from the dead. They've seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. They've seen Jesus heal person after person. And then Jesus tells them, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do. How do we get our minds around what Jesus is saying there? Well, to some degree, those who are believing in Jesus right there at that moment, they will do many of those same things. But, it, but if, you, if you zoom out a little bit and think about kind of big picture, by the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, following his life, death, and resurrection, those that are following him and that know and trust him is really a pretty small number, a very small number actually. But in even just one generation following that, these disciples who are following him will see the gospel, the good news of Jesus begin to spread in a way that now, 2,000 years later, millions of people trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. The world turned upside down by these guys. And so I think that might be a little bit of what Jesus is pointing to. You're going to do greater works. It's not that Jesus was not powerful to do that, but prior to his death and resurrection, people didn't have a very good grasp of what it was that Jesus had actually accomplished. But after Jesus accomplishes that, all that he accomplishes in his death and resurrection, and then he ascends to be in heaven, then what happens next is the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in believers. And these who followed Jesus are now accomplishing these 
greater works, seeing people by the thousands come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then Jesus concludes, or we're going to conclude, he keeps going. We'll come back next week. Verses 13 and 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So how will the disciples see these incredible works done? And how are we going to continue to see God doing great works in our day? I think it's through prayer in Jesus' name. What does that mean? We've got to look at this context, right? This is the kind of verse that somebody would take out of context and say, you know, I'm going to pray for a shiny new car, and I'm going to say, in Jesus' name, at the end. And then I'm going to get it, because I said it, right? Is that what Jesus is saying here? I, I don't think it is. We've got to look at this verse like we look at all verses in their context. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. Listen to this kind of, I think this is the qualifier here. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we talk about asking for something in Jesus' name, that, that's the same as saying that we're asking for something in accordance with Jesus' will. That we want what he wants. And again, what does Jesus want above everything? He wants God the Father to be glorified. And so when we are praying in Jesus' name, we are, we are submitting ourselves to what Jesus desires, what he knows to be best. And so we lift our requests, even very bold requests, up before God, recognizing that what we want more than our requests is we want God to be glorified. We want things to be done according to what Jesus desires. And what Jesus desires is the glory of God. And when we ask in that way, we can have confidence that he will do it. Again, something you'll spend more time with in your life group. Quick application on that, I would just say this. I think we're probably two kinds of people in here, and I'm probably this first kind. It's easy for me to do without praying. Having too much confidence in my own abilities. Jesus is talking about doing works, but he's also talking about praying and asking in Jesus' name, and I think we need to do both. And I can tend to be someone who does without praying. Are you like that? Or are you somebody who can pray without doing? Because that's an equal temptation, isn't it? We're ever kind of praying about some things and not just doing works of obedience. You can talk about that in your life groups as well. When we pray in Jesus' name in accordance with his desire for God to be glorified, and we work with that same desire for God's glory, great things will be done. When we pray in Jesus' name, in accordance with his desire for God to be glorified, and we work with that same desire for God's glory, I think great things will be done. And so what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came not just to teach these things. He's leaving uh, soon. He tells his disciples to go be with the Father. But the steps that are taking place between that point and when he's going to be with the Father are going to be his death and resurrection. And this is where we find our life. I talked earlier about the fact that we want communion with Jesus. That's what disciples want. They want to be with him. So in John chapter 6, you might remember when we went through that quite some time ago, in John chapter 6, Jesus said, unless you drink my, eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. In John chapter 13, 
Jesus told Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. And the disciples couldn't understand. How, how could we, we, we can't live that way. We need to be with you. And that's what we are reminded of as we take the bread and the cup. We're reminded of the reality that if we want to be in fellowship with God, the only way is through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. The only way that we can go and we can be in the presence of God, enjoying communion with or fellowship with God, is because we who are sinful before God have had all of our sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. This is true for all who trust in Him.